Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Classic City Crime. I'm Cameron J. And it's so good to be back with all of you this week for a very special episode. I hope you're all doing well since the last time we spoke. I feel like a lot has happened, right? Some of those things, in fact, might have once seemed impossible, especially here in Georgia. I mean, let's talk about it. The Braves won the World Series. The Georgia Bulldogs right here at Athens. Go Dogs, national champs. And I got to tell you, there is an indescribable sense of optimism and unity here in the Classic City. I know that we've all had a hard year, and we've welcomed this new one with new optimism, and I have much hope for what is to come. And as we're all celebrating, as we should, by the way, there's one family of one UGA law dog that still has no answers, that January of every single year brings with it a somber reminder of that fateful day that occurred 21 years ago on January 19th, 2001. The anguish is just unbelievable. You, unless you've lost a child in this manner, a heinous murder, you can't begin to understand what it's like and to know that the person that did it, she fell at someone's hand, and that person's out there. Those are the words of Tara's grief-stricken stepfather, Mr. Lindsay, who passed away a few years ago. He died never seeing justice for his daughter. And while I know it's hard for even us to hear, for us to imagine, I cannot imagine what it was like for Miss Virginia during that moment that she told us about from 2001 that would change her life forever. I just remember thinking, I am... My heart is, I mean, I don't know what's going on. I'm having trouble breathing today. And I said, it must be the weather. And I got a phone call. She's identified herself as being with the Athens police. And she said, when is the last time you spoke with Tara? And I said, I beg your pardon? She said, when's the last time you spoke with Tara? And I said, I think it was, if not yesterday, it was the day before. And she said, has Tara ever been arrested? And I said, excuse me? I said, who is this? And she told me again, and I said, I'll call you back. So I called there, and they put her on the phone. She said, I kind of figured you'd call back because I, I knew you didn't trust me. And I said, well, it's kind of a strange thing to ask if somebody's ever been arrested. She said, well, we just wanted to know if she'd ever been fingerprinted. And I said, what is going on? Mm. And she said, "Miss Baker, there's been a fire at Tara's apartment. And then finally, as I protested more, she said, Miss Baker, you need to come to Athens. And I said, I'm planning on coming. And she said, we have a body. Mm. And I thought I was going to die right then. There's one thing that I can never stress enough, and I hope that you all realize it too, and that is just how much strength it took for the Baker family to go on this very public journey with all of us to find new answers and most importantly here to tell Tara's story. I've been listening back, I have to admit, to our episodes together over the last few weeks as we remind ourselves of what this month means for Tara's family. And not only have I listened to the public episodes, but I've been going back and listening to the private conversations, those that never made it on the podcast some filled with frustration and tears. Each conversation, though, no matter how hard, I'm so grateful for, and I'm really, really thankful to Tara's family for speaking their truth, for sharing Tara's story with the world. 
and for never, ever shying away from their calls for justice and answers. So where are they now, and what did they think about how far we've come and where we're headed? Tara's siblings are here for a special update as they remember Tara this year. And Miss Virginia Baker is back to discuss not only her reflection of these last 21 years, but her advice to others dealing with loss and grief. One thing I cannot stress enough is how close I feel to Meredith, and I'm so grateful for her friendship. We recently caught up about the fact that two decades have passed since Tara was murdered, and what that means for her family. Meredith, it's good to talk to you. How are you doing? What's new in your life? I'm good. Not a whole lot new going on. Still kind of pretty much doing 2021 part two or 2020 <laughs> part three, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's already been a rough start, right? Absolutely. Well, I know that with each new year for you comes this sad reality that January brings with it, you know, new optimism for a lot of people as they approach a new year. But I know for your family, you know, there's this other side of that coin of, you know, remembering not only that birthday of Tara's that she never got to experience, but also remembering what happened on January 19th. Can you talk about what you're feeling as we move toward 21 years? I mean, the 20 year mark was last year. We did a lot of work together got people reinvested in Tara's case. Um, but 21 years, how are you feeling about it? Well, well, like you said, it is every year there's this, you know, little burst of optimism and joy at the drop of the ball. But then there is just this looming date that's just kind of hanging out there waiting for us to roll around to it. Last year, it, it was amazing to see the outpour of love and support and people who to, to, to finally see some empathy. Um, I know that there were still a lot of people there who, who just didn't want to hear it, didn't want to even think that things like this actually happen or, or that families could be treated that way. But I think if we've learned anything in the last few weeks um, is that we know we're not alone. We knew we weren't alone, but the sad thing is we learned that we really aren't alone, that there are other families out there that are still hurting the same way that we are. Um, so I'm trying to look at this year, while 21 is not exactly a milestone, I'm gonna try to make this the year where we get things done. How are you feeling this year about the probability of the case being solved and where are you at um, toward, you know, toward that? Well, I told you way back when, when we started this that Unfortunately, in my early 20s, I came to the realization that Tara's case was probably never going to be solved. And I, I tell everybody that I don't think it's ever going to be solved. I would like to think that I still have a shred of hope that that could happen. But given the amount of time and what we know, I just don't see it happening. And the fact that everything that we did last year while we created this amazing community, nothing tangible came came up came from it in regards to the investigation. And I know it's a two-way street, but I didn't receive a call back from anyone after the podcast had ended from the police department. So it, I don't believe that anything has been done apart from you know my meeting that I had with them in September of uh, 2020. And, you know, it's like I told you that there's been this I've been in this rock and a hard place personally, because it's been hard for me 
to move on to, you know, telling another story that, that isn't resolved because I do feel, you know, this lingering sense of hope, but also sense of, you know, um, sadness that Tara's case isn't solved and that a lot of the things that we did uncover and the things, the avenues that we tried to explore together as, you know, you, her family and, and the podcast um, haven't been seemingly followed up on. Um, and a lot of the people that we talked to for the first time that still say they've never been contacted and, and, and that's frustrating. It is. We all need closure. I mean, even if nothing comes from it, just to find out that somebody has followed a lead or, or if I found out that something I was told was going to be done had actually been done, I would feel better about it. But I know that, that certain tasks that I was told were going to be completed have not been done because nobody's called me to tell me that they did them. Mm -hmm. And I think this goes to another thing you and I have talked about time and time again, how far communication could go. And, and, yeah. and how much difference that can make in the, in the relationship there. Well, just a check-in, you know, Hey, how's it going? Let me tell you what's happened or what hasn't happened or, or, you know, how do you feel about this? Or when we first learned about the current investigator, it was because we called the police department because we didn't have a clue who was assigned to the case. We had no idea that certain people had left the uh, police department and that, Somebody we had never even met, spoken to, knew nothing about was now on the case. Mm -hmm. And just, I, I just don't understand why it's hard to have an open line of communication, except for maybe they just want us, they're, they're hoping that we'll just go away, but it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. With that, you know, the person who did this obviously still out there or um, perhaps no longer living. We don't really know the exact person who did it, but... You know, one thing you and I always joked about on the podcast that I always found to be really funny was that we would get in rabbit holes and your husband would be mm -hmm. that still small voice in the background telling Coloring us. Lowering a rope. <laughs> get, get, it, get it back together, guys. But, um, uh, you know, I'm curious, and you know I do this. I'll text you in the middle of the night or early in the morning when I can't sleep and say, have you thought about this or what do you think about this? And um, I'm just curious, do you have days where some things seem more clear to others and then are you like me the next day, you kind of look at it through a different lens and think, hmm, maybe it's that or maybe it's this person. I'm just curious what your thought process is through everything um, we've learned. I, yeah, I do it constantly. Like, you know, I think about things that the police said that they did early in the investigation and, you know, I'll think about it from the the perspective as I did when I first heard it when I was 15, 16, 17. And when I think about it, I'm still thinking about it in that 15, 16, 17 brain space. Mm -hmm. So it, it, sometimes I do have to step back and go, okay, wait a minute, you're an adult now. What does this actually mean? Or, or what do you think this could have meant? Or did they miss something? Um, it, and, and then, yeah, like you said, I've got my husband over here lowering a rope to pull me out of rabbit holes constantly because I do sometimes find myself falling into that and then I have to step back and force myself to be objective about things. What do you think Tara would be doing today if she were still here? What do you picture when you think about? You know, I had this, for lack of a better term, fantasy, probably for the better part of my 20s, um, before I got married, before I had children, thinking about how, you know, 
Tara would have a law firm and I don't know, maybe I would be her paralegal mm -hmm. and we would fight like cats and dogs and it would be, you know, either the best work relationship or the worst, or, you know, maybe we would have our own workplaces, but maybe we would live nearby and, you know, sit on the front porch and drink lemonade or, you know, I just, I, I just, I can't imagine, I, mm. you know, the further and further we get away from it, from the, the day of her death, the harder and harder it is to imagine what kind of life she could have had, what, what kind of life was taken from her. Mm. And the longer it goes, the, the sadder it is for me. Because it's just, it becomes more and more real that, you know, she had this whole life ahead of her that was robbed. You know, it kind of reminds me that that phrase when people say, time heals all wounds, that it's not really always the case. No, no. And it, it, when I, I watch my kids do amazing things and, you know, you send out that mass text to your siblings you know there's one that's not included in there and it's just it is difficult and then you know i look at my kids and sometimes they'll make her faces and i just don't understand it mm. and they'll ask me questions and i'll have to explain it to them and you know it, it, it's difficult to it's explain to little people how something like this could happen when everything that you do is to try to protect them from mm. harm and it just gets really difficult sometimes to explain to them what a wonderful person their aunt was, but that they'll never know her. Now you'll remember Tara was the oldest Baker child, followed then by little brother Adam. Adam is here. He usually is working, but he was able to join us this time, which I'm super grateful for. He's enjoying time with his family this time of year. Well, the biggest thing with me has uh, it's been to try to live the life that Tara would want me to live. I know that Tara wouldn't want me to be lost continually in just a, a fog of grief. And uh, I'll admit that I spent a few years doing that very thing. And uh, one day I just sort of made the decision that uh, this is not what Tara wanted for my life. And really just started to pull myself out of it and uh, my faith had a had a very big role in that, and uh, it's just been a been all about trying to to live a life that she would be proud of, and a life that she always kind of dreamed for me. And I'd like to think that I've I've done that to the best of my ability to this point. Uh, that um, and what I mentioned uh, briefly, my my faith. That's that was as I've told many people before, the light switch moment uh, in my life. And it uh, it was really when I I realized that I needed to forgive whoever did this if I was ever going to move on with my life. Mm -hmm. uh, I described it for a while as soul poisoning rage that I was uh, I was burdened with, and it wasn't until I was able to release that by just forgiving the faceless person who did this that uh, that really brought me to that and. You know, if I was get, going to get into all the aspects of how fate took me into that, we'd be on the phone for probably another two hours. But um, it's been a, a really it, – it has really been – it was a defining moment for me when I realized that that's what I needed to do to move forward. And once I did that, 
it, it was like my my life completely changed and all of that uh all of that grief that fog of grief and rage that I said I was trapped in it's like it was completely lifted off and I was able to to live life fully again And last but not least, I have Kevin here with us, who was just 10, you'll recall, at the time of Tara's murder in 2001. A lot has changed for Kevin since we started this journey, and it's an update I'm sure that Tara Baker is quite proud of. I would be remiss to say that it hasn't. Every year is a, is a little bit of a disappointment that we haven't heard anything, but I think since this podcast has come out, it's definitely be more of a, uh, a household conversation for a lot of people uh, I know it definitely is and then of course with um, the collaboration with uh, Rhonda's family and this homicide victims bill that we're trying to work on and with myself going to Capitol Hill up in Atlanta to advocate for this bill I think that there's going to be definitely some promising things happening in the future you know, one thing I talked to you about and that I found to be one of the most riveting things as I've been listening back to the podcast and one of the most poignant moments was you describing finding out about what happened to Tara. Do you still think about that day a lot and do you remember it well? I do. You know, there, there's a lot of things that are pivotal moments in, in people's lives. And I think that definitely that was one for me because I entered that hotel room as a carefree nine-year-old kid thinking the world was all sunshine and rainbows and i left that hotel room a completely different person uh and i wouldn't say i grew up overnight but it was definitely a life-changing experience to the point to where the lot the world wasn't as bright as i thought it was going to be you know you go into something like that and there's a traumatic experience and i can still remember what the carpets of the hotel hall room looks like and every time i come into athens i i point at that holiday inn express across from the cbs and i know exactly where i am and it just every time i come into athens that hotel that i pass on the way in is definitely something that's burned in my brain every day what are the things that when you think about this past two decades and one year that you think about most when you remember tara what's that one thing that brings a smile to your face when you think about her probably the fact that she was always always there for you she would always be there to put a smile on your face to protect you when you needed it most whether it was uh, a, a good pat on the back or help you get your chin up when you're down she was definitely always there for a good relief of stress she was always like you said in the past she's always the champion of the underdog and anytime that someone felt like they were down and out she would always be the one to tell you there's there's still hope we can pull this off we can make it work and I definitely remember, you know, her, her sweet smile and her warm embrace every time she would come home. And that's something that I miss dearly very much. And you have a new life update since we last talked for everybody. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah. So since this podcast started, I was like everybody else, you know, I was going through my life and I have been lucky enough to meet a wonderful woman mm -hmm. that many people have already met i know you've met her multiple times but she uh if, if people were at the 20 year mark dedication at front of the law library or have witnessed the podcast interviews that we've had in the past she's been on there she is a true advocate for um 
Tara's case, and I was lucky enough to actually be able to marry her this past mm -hmm. fall, and that was truly a blessing, and, you know, it, it was an honor to have her be a part of some of Tara's um, celebrations and having her work alongside us, and she told me at the law library that day that if I could take your pain away, I could, but I'm here to, to embrace your pain for as long as you'll let me. And I knew then that she was going to be the one. So, um, I was lucky enough to ask her to marry me. She said yes. And, um, I'm very, very excited to be a part of her life and have her be a part of this whole case of trying to find justice for Tara. She just happens to be very well connected in the Georgia capital scene and a lot of the Georgia legislatures, which just happens to be a bonus. And mm -hmm. luckily enough, she grew up five minutes from me and it wow. was a really really cool and small world to realize that the one that you're looking for was right down the street the whole time so i'm definitely a proponent of that and you know i was sad to see that we had unfortunately you know we had a instead of tara being at my wedding i had to have an empty seat with flowers which many people who listen to this podcast may have actually attended the wedding we did have a memorial table for tara and my dad and uh you know that's just one of those things where you kind of feel cheated that that was an experience that she was able to, to be there for. Mm -hmm. And I know that if she was around still today, a lot of things would be different. I think that, um, you know, she would have been there front row smiling as bright as she could. Well, speaking of Chandler, let's meet her now. How is life married to Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to be on here. Uh, it's great. In all honesty, I don't think I've, laughed as much on a daily basis before I met him. He's just the, he's just a light. That's the best way to describe him. He keeps things really interesting and he always keeps me on my toes. <laughs> Definitely the life of the party. I think that's one thing that I've always said about all the bakers. They all have this light about them that is just undeniable, even with everything that they've been through. So when you first heard about Tara's story, I know it had to be interesting stepping into Kevin's life when all of this was going on in the last year and a half. What was it like for you to learn about Tara's story? You know, it. he told me about it pretty early on in our relationship. And the first thing is I, I just hurt I hurt for him and I hurt for his mom who I had yet to meet at the time um, and the rest of his family. And I can't imagine, you know, what they've gone through over the last 21 years now. And to see the amount of strength that comes out of the family after dealing with something like that. What's one thing that you have realized about Tara's impact on Kevin, about the impact that her death has had on him or the family? What what have you um, come to realize about that? You know, it's it's kind of a twofold observation. You know, her life as what they tell me how it was, you know, because unfortunately I didn't get the chance to meet her, but she brought so much strength into their lives while she was here with them. And, and you know, you guys have described her as the light of their life, and I think that's transferred into all of them in all honesty. And, you know, the other hand of it is her death brought, of course, a tragedy and a sadness. And, you know, there's some underlying what ifs going on and, and no closure, but every single one of them can still talk about her and, and it be a good 
in a good way. You know, it's not focused on just her death. It's focused on her life and the strength that she brings to them now as they've moved past it and are still living their lives and doing the things that they do. I mean, I can't imagine that pain. I feel it through Kevin, but I know for one, I, I would be broken down if it was one of my siblings and to, you know, see Kevin every single day and, and see the, the fun and the laughter and um, the goofiness that he brings. It, it's, it's amazing that that's the type of person that he is after growing up with this situation. When we come back, Tara's mother is here to share her heart with all of you. And while we have not yet seen an arrest in Tara Baker's murder, there is a huge push for justice that could not only change the game for the Baker family here, but for countless families throughout the state of Georgia. Stay tuned to find out more. We'll be right back. Realtors Jarrett Mann Martin and Haley Polk are excited to announce the launch of the Jarrett Martin Group with Keller Williams Realty Greater Athens. Jarrett has been outselling Athens since 2016 and quickly rose to be the number one agent in his office and within the top 10 agents in the Athens market. He and team member Haley are still the trusted realtors you know. Hip, authentic, crisp, and refreshing. After all, it is their brand. Whether you're an experienced home buyer or a first timer, they have you covered. Say hello to Athens, Georgia's second favorite realtors by visiting JarrettMartinGroup.com or by following their Instagram at JarrettMartinGroup. I've said this time and time again, you know, when we started this, I never thought in my mind, quote, I'm going to solve Tara Baker's murder. What I hoped was that by telling Tara's story, by starting conversations with all of you, and by allowing a space for people to share their truths, that someone, somewhere, might have the missing puzzle piece that we need to solve Tara's case. We've covered so much ground together, and I stand by the work that we've done here as a community. I'm also not going to shy away from one truth here. While I do have my personal beliefs about who might be most likely responsible for Tara's death, and while I know that many of you out there do too, there has not yet been enough evidence to arrest someone in Tara's case. That means her family is still waiting for answers, and I'm going to be honest with you here. For a long time, I have been bothered about the fact that even with the information that seemed to have come in to us here at the podcast, that little action ever seemed to happen. I felt as if perhaps I might have failed or might have missed that one clue that would have changed everything. I'd be lying if I didn't say part of it's the reason I have not committed to a new case yet. It feels almost like a chapter unfinished, if you will. Tara's story at this point remains very, very personal to me, and I know it remains a personal to a lot of you out there too. But there's one thing that's coming to my mind this 21st year since Tara was murdered on 160 Fawn Drive. And that's this, that perhaps justice is not always an arrest or a conviction. Though I'll continue to believe and pray, of course, that this will be soon realized. But justice maybe can be action in other ways, real, tangible results. Trying to find ways to honor victims like Tara, whose cases remain unsolved. And remember, there are 40 other families facing this same reality in Athens-Clark County now. 
For those of you who have been with us since the beginning, you know that we've encountered roadblocks in trying to find creative ways to solve Tara's case. One thing we all realized is that there were very few avenues for support and recourse for families of homicide victims in our state. Where does a family go if they feel there has been bias? Nowhere. Where can a family have their case reviewed after a certain amount of time has passed? Well, nowhere. How can we ensure proper, timely issuance of a death certificate so that families aren't re-victimized over and over and over again? These are the questions that really began to keep me up at night, in addition to wondering who it was that killed Tara just before her birthday. And then I found a little bit of hope in a federal piece of legislation that I've talked about with all of you before, and if you follow us on social media at Classic City Crime, you've been seeing a lot of buzz around this. The Homicide Victims' Families' Rights Act is a bipartisan piece of legislation, which is really encouraging with our current political discourse, that is in Congress right now, and it is giving voice to families whose cases remain unsolved, which is really, really important. And here's why we need something similar here in Georgia, and I'm going to try to lay this out as easy as I can is this federal law actually would only protect those cases that are in federal jurisdiction. So what that means is it would leave families like Tara Bakers, for example, or Rhonda Sue Coleman, who I'll talk about in a minute, behind. So we need to make sure that we pass something like this law on the state level so that we can bridge that gap and make sure that no family is ever left behind. And that seems pretty common sense to me, and seems to be common sense to a lot of legislators that we're talking to right now, which is so very encouraging. And you know, this feeling of knowing something needed to be done was only validated when I saw that the family of Rhonda Sue Coleman in South Georgia was advocating for nearly the exact same thing. Rhonda was killed in 1990 in Montgomery County, and her family resides in Jeff Davis County. And in fact, if you'll recall here, there's a little bit of a connection in addition to growing up near Hazelhurst. You'll recall that Sean Kipe was the host of In the Red Clay podcast, and he joined us for an interview about the Dixie Mafia and his findings over in nearby Winder, Georgia. Well, since then, Sean's taken up Rhonda's case, and you can learn more about all the trouble that her family has faced with their investigation over the last 30 years by listening to Fox Hunter, wherever you get your podcasts. So with all this legislation and this really big push among local legislators in the state legislature to get something done, I wanted to ask Tara's family what they are feeling about these current efforts. Take a listen. Well, I want people to know that we are not a unique situation. We have found that there are numerous families out there that have experienced very similar situations, um, cases that are older than ours. I mean, if you just want to look at Athens alone, you've got Terry, you've got Jennifer Stone. And it, at the very least, like you said, there, there are some places that just don't have the manpower, that don't have the monetary resources that they need or don't have the technology that they need. We need to help these other entities, these other districts get what they need to find answers and you know it, it may not like i said it may not help with tara's case but if we could help another family in getting their why and getting their answers i, I just can't describe how 
tremendous that would be if we were able to help a family move on and get closure. And, you know, this goes back to, to me, something that was a constant theme in talking to all of you about Tara, and that is that she was the champion of the underdog. So I can only imagine, you know, in this scenario where she's looking down on what we're doing here and what your family has continued to fight for over the last two decades plus one year, and that is to champion underdogs and to help other victims' families. And I just I just want to say from my heart, like being your friend, but also working with you all over the last, you know, year and a half that um, it inspires me and I know it inspires so many other people too. And I just want people to understand what what a power empathy is. And I, I think really that's the only thing we need to to get this moving and to get other people to jump on board is just to understand the power of empathy. It protects the families. You know, it gives a sense of accountability to any type of law um, agency that may be unable to handle this case, like we've seen in the past. And it may not just be with Rhonda's case. It may not be with Tara's. It could be, you know, as I've said before, this isn't the first unfortunate uh, murder to happen in the United States. It's not going to be the last either. And if we can stop families from having to go through what my family and Rhonda's family have gone through by getting answers, by having a sense of accountability, by allowing other entities to take a look into someone's case and realize, okay, maybe we haven't turned over every stone we thought we did. And maybe we can get some outside help and get the answers that these families desperately need. And I know that there's other families out there that are going through the same things that may not have the ability to speak up like we do, may not have the social media platform that we do. So I'm very blessed to, to have you around to help us get this out um, because I know there's probably families that don't have the resources that we do. And oh. this bill will allow them to do so. I wanted to end this interview today by talking to the woman who truly has fueled my passion for justice and for this case and for advocating for other families. Her strength has been an inspiration not only to me, but to thousands of people across the world. Miss Virginia Baker. You know, it still never gets easier to talk with Miss Virginia about her feelings about this day. Hearing her remember what happened and the fact that she's still trying to make sense of it all these years later, the fact that she has no resolution, and knowing that someone, somewhere, has yet to pay for murdering her little girl. That's still the reality of Miss Virginia's life today, 21 years later. Every year, a reminder that Tara is gone. We're trying to champion a cause that would that we think Tara would be proud of and with her record as the champion of the underdog, as you described her, you know, when we first started this journey. Yeah. How are you feeling about the legislation and why do you think it's so important for our legislature here in Georgia to start looking at these issues? Oh, I think it's very important. I think they're not just our family. I think there are many families out there that are suffering that have no answers. And I think a mother's heart is always going to ask the question, why? And I think once the police have had year upon year upon year and cannot seem to come up with any answers, perhaps it would even be a relief to them to have it opened up and have new eyes looking into it. I think it, I know that 
police, all police departments are so overburdened these days. Mm-hmm. And perhaps just another entity being able to have access and go back into some of these older cases and look at it and maybe, maybe see something that somebody didn't way back then would be such a relief to these families and to the police jurisdictions. Absolutely. I think you make a good point here that, you know, it's not about getting back at the police. It's not about making police look bad. It's really about helping the system do better and and be better in the future and and to help, you know, bring closure to families and help and resources to police. Oh, absolutely. You constantly hear about how overburdened all the police are. And we have a police member in our family and I know they are completely overwhelmed and don't have the manpower that they need and perhaps this piece of legislation can help with that a little bit as well. I know if I was a police officer that had been looking into old cases like this and new ones keep getting piled on and piled on and piled on, it would be a relief to have somebody come in and take a few of the older ones and give them a second or third or fourth look. It just seems like it would have to be some sort of a relief to them as well as maybe finding some answers for some of these long-suffering families who have been waiting 10, 12, 15, even 20 years Mm -hmm. for answers. Well, I really, really thank you for always being willing to come on. I promised you from the beginning we would keep, you know, keep putting Tara's story out there, keep her memory alive, and most importantly, keep fighting for answers and justice. And it is my hope and prayer that you feel loved um, through through this time. Oh, absolutely. You have done a wonderful job. And I think that you and my children make the most incredible team. (laughs) They're wonderful. I think it has just... (laughs) just been a wonderful thing and yes i have felt the love and prayers from so many of your listeners and it keeps me moving forward i cannot tell you how important that is to me to feel the love and the prayers of people out there who didn't even know my precious Tara. and most importantly i think one thing we can all continue to pray for too is that the person out there with information that that could really finally put the puzzle completely together for us, that they would come forward to us, to to the police, to whoever they feel comfortable with, where we can finally, you know, resolve this and 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 really bring some closure here. Oh, absolutely. And I think that there's probably people out there that may not even realize that the little small things they know could bring this to a closure, but it's possible a little tiny bit of information could be the piece that we're looking for. So I just hope, hope and pray that anyone who hears about the story and remembers even the smallest, slightest little thing will not hesitate to let you know. Because I really believe it can be put together eventually. Miss Virginia says that she's trying to look forward and look at what can be accomplished in the future. And I know that's the feeling all of us have this year. But I asked her what would her advice be to families out there who are struggling with grief and with loss? I would never have made this without my faith. I would never 
have survived without the strength that I get from God. He uplifts me and keeps me going. And it's every time I feel like I can't walk another step, I'm reminded that he's walking with me. And that is the only way I've survived this long. Do you ever feel Tara close by too? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's the strangest thing. I feel like I, I hear her right up over my left shoulder and I turn to look. <laughs> and it's almost like I hear her little voice. And she always said, what you doing? That was always what she said when she walked up or she called me. Hi, Mama, what you doing? And I just, you know, I hear that in my head a lot. And when I go outside and I see a beautiful blue sky with clouds, that was her favorite kind of day. And she would call me very often and say, Mama, look up. It's a Terra day. God made it just for me. <laughs> she loved beautiful sunsets. And she, she and Kevin liked to sit on the swing in the front porch and just look at the sunsets together. And she always reminded me of the beauty and the sunsets. She just found beauty everywhere. Everywhere. And it's, I just cannot imagine what she did to anyone that would have made her seem like something they wanted to harm. I just, and I've said so many times that whoever did this to her was in her bedroom and she had pictures of her family all over the place in her bedroom how could anybody in the right mind be able to look at those faces and not understand how many people they were going to be hurting by hurting her mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i just have thought about things so many times and what this person took not just from me and her dad but from her siblings oh my goodness how adam and meredith and kevin looked up to her and loved her so dearly and still do and to watch my children suffer these 21 years has been the worst part for me i am hurting my heart is broken but to watch my children suffer with broken hearts and to see how this has affected their lives is probably the worst thing for me. But for now, they wait. We wait. For someone out there to come forward, for the police to take action and find the lead they need. Please, if you're out there listening and you know anything, please contact the athens Clark County Police Department or you can always email us at classiccitycrime at gmail.com. Tara Louise Baker never lived to see her 24th birthday 21 years ago, but her memory lives on through her family that you've heard from, through the stories of her friends, and perhaps her advocacy for justice and for the law, which has inspired us to now become advocates for her. Adam Baker says it's his faith now that reminds him that there will be a better day ahead, one where he knows Tara is somewhere waiting. But I will say this, uh, the one thing that my faith gives me that, uh, that I can't get anywhere else is that I know that uh, this person did not take Tara away from me forever. Mm. 
I will be reunited with Carol one day. And that's, uh, that's a really, that's a, that's a beautiful thing to have. Thank you for being here. We'll be back very, very soon. I'm Cameron Jane.